Merciful God, who gave your Son to suffer the shame of the cross, save us from the hardness of heart, that seeing him who died for us, we may repent, confess our sin, and receive your ever-flowing love. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's Bible reading will be taken from the Gospel of John. There will be two passages. Um, the first is John chapter 1, verses 29 to 31, where John the Baptist eagerly awaits and expects Jesus and testifies about Jesus. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And the second reading is from the book of John again, um, chapter 12, verses 23 to 26, taking place just after Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servants will also be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. This is the word of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What do you want in life? Do you want a a vaccine uh, for COVID-19, for it to be tested, for it to be good to go and available across the world? Do you want safety, assurance and peace? I'm guessing how you would have answered that question uh, would have been quite different than a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you would have said good grades, a a spouse, success for your children. Maybe you want a sports car, a, a comfortable retirement nest egg or your football team to win a flag. But the world has changed so much, hasn't it? Uh, And you just want safety for your friends and and family. Uh, You want a job. You want things to return back to the way they were before. You want peace, hope, security once more. And yet, despite all the uncertainties for Christians, well, many things are certain. Our hope and peace and and joy, regardless of the situation, these have not changed. Uh, If we don't trust Jesus yet, let me, uh, let me assure you that there is such thing now, despite what's happening around us, despite the uncertainties, that you can have safety, security, hope, peace. And Easter is a wonderful reminder uh, of this truth. Um, as a church, we've been looking at the book of John's Gospel for the last little while. And over the last couple of weeks and months, we've kind of been looking at the last 24 hours of, of the life of Jesus. And so I thought instead of kind of, looking at a more traditional kind of uh, John, a Good Friday type passage, we could actually look back. We could reflect back on all the passages in John's gospel that refer to, to his death. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Because you see, Good Friday, <coughs> pardon me, Good Friday is a wonderful reminder that Jesus died. He died on the cross, uh, an awful, grueling, humiliating death. But you see, it wasn't an accident. It was meant to be, as we'll see this morning. Even right from the very start, uh, Jesus' death was spoken about. John the Baptist said of Jesus, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And we're going to glance over John's gospel and look at the times when Jesus' death is spoken about, when it's on his lips and, and on the lips of other people, when, when he says these things before it happened. And we'll see how his death and, and subsequent resurrection uh, saves us, uh, gives eternal life and, and a great hope beyond the grave, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. That is when we come to believe and trust in Jesus. But before we look at his death, I thought it'd be really helpful for us to look at some of the things Jesus did uh, before his death. And the truth be known, Jesus did the amazing. Jesus did the truly amazing. He turned water into wine. He healed countless people like the official son who the official son, he was 40 kilometers away. And yet Jesus, he spoke and the son was healed. Jesus didn't even have to be in the presence. He didn't even have to touch him but the son was healed from 40 kilometers away. Uh, Jesus healed the man who had been an invalid. He was unable to walk for 38 years and instantly he got up and walked. No physio, no surgery, no nothing, just the word of Jesus. He healed a man born blind. He walked on water. He fed large crowds of people with five small bread rolls and two sardines. And to cap it off, well, he raised, remember that, raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was the rotting corpse. The odour of death had already begun. And yet by the power of his word, well, he was raised to life. Jesus did the amazing. And all through the power of his word, as he spoke, these amazing things happened. And what he did actually showed, he did things that only God can do. He showed that he was God in the flesh because only God can raise people from the dead. Only God can rain bread from heaven. Only God can give sight to the blind. You see, Jesus, by doing these amazing things, showed his identity. He showed that he was God's promised future king. And in the book of Isaiah, a section of the Bible written 700 years even before Jesus, there was this promise about God's promised future king. And it kind of said what it would be like when he comes. And it says this, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And Jesus has come and he has done these things. Jesus does the amazing. And these amazing miracles and signs, well, they point to his identity. They point and confirm the fact that Jesus is sent by the Father, that he is God's promised future king. You know when you uh, either read a comic book or watch a, uh, a superhero movie, and you know when they like accidentally kind of reveal their superpower? Uh, and, and even though they might try to deny it, they go, no, 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 it's not real. No, 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 but really the their powers, their actions, actions, actions of riches of really doing it anymore. Well, that is what Jesus has done. He's not trying to hide his superpowers. Actually, he shows what he does that he can only do. He does things that only God can do. And so his actions, his amazing things he does, they confirm his identity and demonstrate that he is God in the flesh among them. You see, Jesus did the amazing, and yet they killed him. You see, Jesus received mixed reviews. While some believed him, Jesus kind of showed and demonstrated that their faith was not genuine. Uh, 
even his own disciples who were extremely loyal to Jesus, they fled and left him to die alone. And while some, some believed others like the religious authorities, the religious leaders of the day, when they saw Jesus, when they heard Jesus, well, they hated his guts. They despised Jesus with a passion. They wanted him dead. He said they took issue with Jesus because he healed someone on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was this special day of rest where, where the people weren't meant to work. And so because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, well, they thought it was a step too far. They also thought that Jesus was blasphemous, that he claimed to be God and to make God his equal. And despite seeing Jesus do all these amazing things, they saw that Jesus did things only God could do. They hated Jesus with venom and they wanted to kill him. And yet while they tried to stone him to death a couple of times, well, they finally got their way in chapter 19 when Jesus was crucified. While Jesus did the amazing, they killed him. But you see, Jesus' death was always the plan. He knew that he would die and rise from the dead. He even knew how he would die because his death was always the plan. Well, first, Jesus knew that he would die. And and the way he spoke about it in in John's Gospel, at least, was, was the hour. He described it as the hour. Now, when we see the hour in, the, in the, the book of John's gospel, apart from when it refers to a specific time, like say the third hour, the third hour of the day, which is say 9am, whenever the word hour is there, that, does not ref, uh, that is to, pointing to a theological term, a, a, a bigger teaching. And that is referring to his death, the hour at which Jesus gives his life and dies a a grueling, awful death on the cross. It is the hour, that is the hour that Jesus spoke about. Uh, Before it happened a couple of times, Jesus said that the hour had not arrived. The hour had not come. One of those times is in, say, John chapter 7. Jesus, he's in the temple, and even though the religious authorities want to kill him, they, they try to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. They want to kill him. They want to lay hands on him, but the hour had not yet come. So even though they wanted to, that was not the hour. The hour had not come. But see, despite Jesus a few times saying the hour has not yet come, things change in chapter 12. With a week uh, before his death, Jesus suddenly then says, he changes and says, actually, the hour has come. Now the hour, the time is right. And so just before his arrest, Jesus uh, looks towards heaven and he prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And so just before his arrest, but really the, the whole week before his death, Jesus starts. Jesus says, actually, the time has come. Now is the time. But did you notice uh, there in that verse, in, in chapter 17, that, that Jesus' death will bring him 
glory. We see that throughout John's gospel. But when we think of glory, we might think of the glory days, you know, when your sports team was amazing. Now they're really ordinary, but they, but they used to be really good. And so you can think back, you know, oh, the good old days, the glory days. Well, God's glory is his splendor, his magnificence, his worthiness. But we might be surprised by how he is glorified. We might think that death is the end, that it's shameful. But for Jesus, it is the game changer. Actually, it's, it's his death that brings him glory and fame. Jesus knew he was going to die and, and he described it as the hour the hour when he would die on the cross and bring him great glory. He knew he would die, but he also knew he would rise from the dead. Before it even happened, he said he would die and rise. Jesus uses a number of illustrations and stories uh, to to show this. Uh, One of these he uses is, is a shepherd. Now, a shepherd is someone who looks after sheep. They will do whatever they can to protect and care for their sheep because sheep are their livelihood. Sheep, sheep is, their, is their income. And so to protect their sheep, they'll, they'll, sleep, they'll, they'll sleep rough with them. They will battle wild animals, particularly those animals seeking a, a lamb happy meal. A, a good shepherd will do whatever they can to, to protect their sheep. And Jesus said, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep you see jesus protects his sheep from the dangers that they don't that they're even unaware of that are lurking about jesus lays down his life he dies to protect and care for his sheep but we actually see more here because not only does he lay down his life he does it on his own Uh, of his own accord. He's not forced into it. He's not taken off guard. He gives his life willingly. He says, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay down, lay it down and authority to take it up. You see, Jesus willingly dies for the good of the sheep on his own or he's not forced into it and death is not the end jesus has the authority to take up his life you see death was always the plan but death was never the end you see another illustration that that jesus uses is germination he says very truly i tell you unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies Well, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, Jesus spoke of his death as germination. Germination is the growth of a plant from one seed. You see, one seed, it is planted uh, and it dies. And as a result, it forms a seedling and then over time into a plant. Uh, And so the death of that one seed, well, a plant is grown. And as a result of this plan, there'll be many, many, many more seeds. More seeds will be produced. And so germination is vital to the plants uh, and the food that we eat. 
And Jesus speaks of his death as germination. You see, Jesus is the one who gives his life. He's the seed that dies. And by doing so, well, gives life to many. See, Jesus knew that he would die. He spoke about it by the hour. He knew he would rise again. But he also knew how, how it is, the method of which he would die. And John's gospel, unlike the others, uses, uses the language of being lifted up. Some of the other accounts of, of, of Jesus' life in some of the other gospels, they will use the language of, of crucifixion throughout, throughout their account. But in John's gospel, uh, the word crucifixion is, is reserved for, the, for chapter 19 alone. John instead uses the language of being lifted up. And three times, uh, Jesus says that he will be lifted up. One of those was uh, read for us uh, in our reading today. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus knew he was going to die, be lifted up onto the cross. We, we see it in John 3 as well. But this time we actually get a bit of a benefit. The son of man, that is Jesus, must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus must be lifted up. And through it, life, eternal life will be given to those who believe. See, Jesus knew he would die. He knew how he would die. But you see, the question remains, why would Jesus willingly die? Why would Jesus willingly die? Jesus did the truly amazing. He did things that only God can do. Uh, And yet the religious authorities, they hated his guts and they killed him. And yet here's the thing, it was always the plan. It was always the plan that Jesus would die And he willingly died. And so why? Why would Jesus willingly die? Well, at the end of John chapter 3, we are urged to believe in Jesus. Uh, We read this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. You see, we see here two different ways uh, of life. First, there are those who believe the Son and have eternal life. And second, are those who reject the Son and God's wrath remains. You see, no one really likes to talk about wrath, God's anger. I certainly don't want to be a, a fire and brimstone preacher, but to avoid it, well, that would be to, ignore, uh, to deny the gospel. It's certainly much more easier and more attractive if I sugarcoat the good news and I just spoke about the positive side of things and the beautiful things to come. But see, if I wasn't to mention the reality of God's anger, God's wrath, his righteous and fair anger, well, that would be to deny the the true awful consequences of rejecting God. We see there in verse 36 that the one who rejects Jesus... God's wrath, God's anger remains on them. It remains. And so for the one who has believed, who has received eternal life, 
Well, the wrath doesn't remain. The, the wrath has been moved. And Jesus is the one who removes that uh, wrath. Ooh, my words are gone. Ooh, what's going on? Uh, sorry, guys. For some reason. Oh, there it is. Ooh. I'm losing my words. There you go. Excellent. I've got my words. Um, let me just find where I was. Sorry about that. So Jesus is the one who removes uh, God's wrath for those who believe in him. But see, we might think, hey, I don't deserve God's wrath. What are you talking about? What have I done? What, what have I done to merit God's anger? Well, for starters, by denying God, by denying his rightful rule over our lives because he's the one who made, made us and sustained us, and we deny that. Can you imagine for, for a minute, the Bible uses this illustration of like a clay pot where, where a clay pot is made by a potter, but then the clay pot says to the one who made it, to the potter says, hey, I don't like this handling or hey, what are you doing? I don't like this kind of thing that you're making. Uh, get away. How crazy is that? Clay pot talking to its maker. And, and yet that is what we have done. That is the way that we have treated God. Instead of praising him and thanking him for what he has done for us, we deny and reject him and face God's anger for our rebellion. You see, this is the biggest problem that we will face. This is the biggest problem than any issue that we may face today. God's wrath is the greatest problem we will ever face. We might think that COVID-19 is a pretty big issue as it affects our day-to-day life and destroys the life that we knew. But COVID-19 is nothing compared to facing God's wrath. See, COVID-19 will pass. I'm sure a vaccine will be found. We will eventually get out of isolation, uh, however long that takes. But you see, God's wrath, God's fair and right anger on humanity has eternal consequences. You see, God's wrath won't end with a bit of self-isolation from others. The only way to deal with the eternal consequences of God's wrath comes when we believe in the Lord Jesus, when we believe in his son, the one that he has sent, because only Jesus can deal with God's anger, with God's wrath. And by believing in him, will we have eternal life. Well, we've come to our last passage from John this morning. It's right from the very start, from John chapter 1, where John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, he says this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, three years before his death, uh, John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus, he called Jesus the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. We've seen already that the problem we have, we've seen that we we rebel against God and that means we face his wrath. Here it's described as sin. But you see, God in his kindness, back uh, back in the Old Testament, he provided a way for, for God's people, the Israelites, the Jews, for them to deal with their sin. He provided a way. And this is the, the sacrificial system where, where an animal would die in place of a person who offered it. You see, the animal copped the punishment in place of the person making the offering. But you see, the system never permanently dealt with the problem 
sacrifices need to be needed to be made constantly, day after day. It was unending because, well, our sin is unending. Our rebellion against God is unending. But you see, there was this promise, this promise of a future king who was the lamb who was led to the slaughter. You see, that is God's lamb who will take away the sins of the world. But this time, this death, this animal, this sacrifice would be a once for all death. You see, the the sinless perfect king, Jesus, he would die on behalf of the people. And he would deal with the problem, our problem, once and for all. You see, Jesus is the substitute. We need to deal with God's wrath. He takes our place. He lays down his life so that we can be saved. And it's the kind of thing, and it's kind of like that thing. I'm not sure if you actually remember. It's been so long. But do you remember sport where, like, one player comes off and they're, like, uh, substituted off and then another player comes on and takes their place? Well, well, that is what Jesus did. We, we are substituted out of the punishment from death. Jesus, he, he lays down his life. He, he dies in our place. And when we believe in him, well, we believe this to be true and we are saved. You see, Jesus knew he would die and willingly died, laying down his life for the good of those who believe. You see, we are all guilty. We all need a saviour, whether we know it or not. And God provides Jesus, which is why we celebrate Good Friday. Because today is the day that we remember that Jesus died to save us and to bring everlasting peace, that we don't need to fear God's wrath anymore. In fact, we don't need to fear anything uh, anymore. Because Jesus has dealt with our greatest of all problems, COVID-19, nothing. Because Jesus died in our place. He, he laid down his life. He's the seed that, that died to produce many more seeds. And that through that, well, he gives us hope of life, of, of, of rising from the grave too. Uh, a great hope, despite the uncertainties of today. I asked at the start, what do you want in life? And while we might say we want a vaccine, we want safety, security, peace, hope in these uncertain times, well, thanks to Jesus, we can have these now. When we trust in Jesus, eternal safety, security is our house. Eternal peace, hope, joy, we can experience these now. And all we do is believe. If you wouldn't call yourself a believer this morning, let me urge you over this weekend to read over John's gospel and investigate his claims for yourself. You see, Jesus knew that he would die before it happened. And so it's actually worth listening to the other things he said because he did die and rise. And so if he knew that, then he knows the truth about other things as well. And you see, he lovingly warns us of the dangers of rejecting him so that we don't have to face God's wrath, God's anger. You see, Jesus has already faced God's anger for us, God's wrath, and he saves us if only we would believe. You see, Jesus laid down his life to save us. 
He willingly died to rescue us. And so let's give him our lives in service of him. May we show that we're his, the disciples of Jesus. For whoever wants disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Amen.